Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. With me on this week's episode is a musician, university professor and founder of the Creative SCO. She manages her own music studio and helps musicians to create their own paid opportunities to live the life that they deserve. Dr. Tonya Lawson, welcome to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast. How are you? I am doing well and thank you for having me. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very intrigued by your story. How did it come to be that a musician with a doctorate degree in clarinet performance evolved into an SEO and passive income specialist? Okay, well, I got my doctorate in clarinet performance with every intention to teach full-time at a university. And I I did the the climbing the ladder to get there. And I finally landed that full-time teaching position and found out I didn't really like it. It really wasn't for me. I much would rather teach younger students. So I still teach part-time at the university, teaching a music appreciation course that I love to teach. And I have a full-time studio. However, in the schools that I teach in, private teachers are allowed to go into the schools and teach music lessons. During the school day, we pull students out of class. And the county I live in was thinking about getting rid of this program. Now, I had built my entire career off of this program of working in the schools and panic set in. And I realized right then and there, I was keeping all of my eggs in one basket and that was not a good plan. So I started a website and nobody was ever seeing it. I I had all this great content out there, but no one ever read it. So I took a course on SEO or search engine optimization. And I started implementing what I learned, but the problem was the course was geared towards business people, not creatives. So I had to tweak it and learn how to make it work for creatives. And all of a sudden, my website is getting views. So I, of course, started another website on coffee and it's getting views. So then I added in affiliate marketing to where I could be earning money off of those websites. And then 2020 happened and everything shut down. Uh, Other musicians were scrambling, trying to find part-time jobs just to pay their rent. And I was very lucky. I did have to cut back on my budget a little bit because I had some income drop, but I had this passive income coming in on the side from my SEO optimized websites. So I wrote it out just fine. And what did I do? I added a third website in the middle of all of that because I had extra time. So I have built over time this passive income through search engine optimization. So I decided I needed to help other people do this. So I created a course, Passive Income Academy, and have some great people in that. But I also found a need for just learning SEO first before you get into the passive income side. So that's why I've now launched my membership, Creative SEO. It's a much lower ticket item than Passive Income Academy. And it helps build the foundation that you need to start building passive income. Hmm. And you help musicians to get rid of that starving artist lifestyle by creating their own paid opportunities. And that's what you've done for yourself, as you've just explained. So how does your life 
different now that you have that extra passive income compared to before? Okay. Before I said yes to absolutely every opportunity and gig that came my way, no matter how low the pay. Before I would get really stressed every time the summer would come because I knew people were going on holiday and they the lessons would be dropping and my income would be dropping. But now I don't worry about any of that. When I have a student cancel, I instead I'm like, hey, I have extra time in my day now. Um, I take four vacations a year. I own my own home by myself, something I never thought would have happened before this. So it has really given me the financial stability that I need to actually remove a lot of stress from my life. So what actually is passive income? Okay, passive income is very controversial. There are a lot of people that think that passive income means sitting on the beach with a cocktail with an umbrella in it, just relaxing. That's not how it works. Passive income is where you put a lot of work in on the front end, but then it continues to pay out over time. So I will use my affiliate income as an example. I am earning money every single week from Amazon off of articles that I wrote two to three years ago. The articles are already written and I am continuing to earn money from affiliate sales. Um, I have courses that were a lot of work to build. But now that they're built, I am earning income passively from them as people sign up. What do we need to be mindful of before we get like dollar signs in our eyes and think, woohoo, I'm onto something here. My account's going to absolutely skyrocket. What do we need to be mindful of and keep in check as we consider going into some passive income arenas? Passive income takes time. There is no get rich quick. Um, you might as well go buy a lottery ticket. Um, I'll try that. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Exactly. Because get rich quick, it doesn't work. It builds over time. So you need to think of passive income like compounding interest. It starts out with a little, but over time it grows more and more and more. Um, as your website site starts getting more views, you can put ads on the blog articles, which will bring in additional income. And it just starts compounding over time. But know that it takes time. And if you've never done any sort of SEO implementation, you need to give yourself 12 months to start seeing real growth happening. Hmm. You mentioned affiliate marketing there. How can we get involved in that? How can we approach people to ask for an affiliate link or something like that? Okay, well, Amazon, for example, has its Amazon Associates program and anybody can apply to that. Uh, you, The only rule is you have, or to stay in the program, you have to make three sales within six months. So if you're just starting out, that's probably not going to happen. I was gung-ho. I did it. I did not make my three sales in the first six months. So I had to then reapply to the program and start all over. But there are other programs. Um, and I am only familiar with the U.S. programs because I'm from the United States. But um, Sheet Music Plus has an affiliate program. So if you are constantly telling your students to go purchase this music, 
if you have an affiliate with Sheet Music Plus and all you have to do is just apply and anybody can be an affiliate, you can send them your specific link and you get an 8% commission off of all of their purchases. Now, with a lot of these programs, there is a minimum payout. So for example, with Sheet Music Plus, the minimum payout is $50. So you have to accrue 50 US dollars in affiliate sales before they will issue you your payment. But lots of music companies have these. So all you have to do really is reach out and ask. And would you say that we get that through putting it into our blogs, sharing it on like social media? How do we go about like really getting in on those sales? Okay. Well, with Amazon, it's in blog content. So um, one of my biggest sellers, I'm a clarinetist. I have an article on the best clarinet mouthpieces for beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And that article, it keeps moving back and forth between the first, second, and third position on Google, um, depending on their updates. But it stays in that top five. And I, I, at least one clarinet mouthpiece a week is purchased through that link. So what I did was I saw a need. They need to understand what equipment to buy. And I wrote an article around it and put affiliate links in it. And then through SEO, it is ranking on Google and people are finding it. So to carry that over into voice, which is I know what you guys work with, um, you might have the top five vocal technique books for beginners, and write an article about that and explain the benefits of each of the books and go from there. You mentioned also blogs there. What else can we do to generate some passive income? Um, blogs are great for affiliate marketing. I love them because it's a one and done once you've written the blog. Other than you know going back in once a year to, to update it and make sure everything is still relevant. Um, another thing is courses. Um, Obviously, I have my passive income course. I have this membership, um, but courses are great. So just tying it back into the vocal nature of things. There are a lot of people who want to learn how to sing and not all of them want to be professional singers. Um, for example, I sing in my church and I sometimes have to canter. And I am a great clarinet player, but my vocal technique is not strong. So maybe create a, a course. It's six weeks to a better voice and market that. And it's their pre-recorded lessons that people can listen to and learn from on their own time. Another example might be um, vocal warmups. I know that warming up your voice is important. I only know what I learned in college in my one voice class as an education major, how to do that. So it could be something like um, a 10 minute vocal warm up sing along that you put out on your website for, you know, maybe 20 US dollars. And then people can purchase it and they can practice warming up with you. All of that, you do the work one time and then you continue to earn income on it over time. Does that make sense? Yeah. And with passive income, the different types, how can we know what we're most suited to, whether we'd be good at creating a course or whether we're really great at writing? So blogs will be our way through. How can we figure out which is the best route for us? 
Well, you have to do what feels intuitive to you, what feels natural to you. If you've always enjoyed writing, do that. If you feel really comfortable on camera, then courses, even if you don't feel comfortable on camera, which I certainly didn't in the beginning. And now I don't think about it at all. Um, I just started a YouTube channel, so I'm on camera much more often. Um, but it's what feels good to you, because if you're doing something that doesn't feel natural, people are going to know and you're not going to be successful at that. And honestly, to figure it out, I would say experiment, you know, maybe start out um, on Instagram doing like an Instagram live to practice being live on camera. Um, you might uh, experiment with doing a free training that you could then use later on as a lead generator into your course. And um, the same thing with the writing. If writing feels good to you and you enjoy it, because when it comes down to it, you have to feel good about what you're doing or you're not going to be successful. Yeah. Thinking about how much you're going to receive from these affiliate programs, for, for example, is you've mentioned that there's like a minimum, like a $50 minimum for some um a $50 minimum sometimes, it could be an 8%. Is this something we should watch out for where it's not quite up to par? Are we thinking, oh, if it's just 2%, should we not go there? Uh, not necessarily. And I will use Amazon as an example of that. Hmm. Okay, everyone, if you don't know what Amazon is, you've truly been living under a rock at this point, right? So Amazon has terrible affiliate commissions terrible affiliate commissions. I'm talking like 1% mm. tiny, but everybody shops on Amazon. Yeah. So even though the affiliate commissions are very low, you, they compound and they really do add up. So I would not think, I would not take a low commission and instantly shy away for it. I, I would say experiment. And if it's not working, then go a different route. Mm. How reliable is passive income? Passive income is reliable if you put the pieces in place properly. Um, like I said, I get regular, consistent monthly income, but I also have a solid SEO strategy. And part of the reason I created my membership is because one, I find a lot of creatives, they've heard about SEO, but they don't even know what it is. Um, I was talking, I was on another podcast and I was talking to um, the guy that was interviewing me and he's like, I know it exists because there's a button for it on my Squarespace, but I've never even touched it. So that that is really important in order to get your website to rank, because if you're if your website is not ranking in Google, if nobody's finding it you're not going to earn money from it. I am totally in that pond of I, I've heard of SEO. I know it's important for me. I know what it stands for, but I have never engaged with it because I don't know the first thing about it. So this is where you tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, SEO stands for search engine optimization. And in plain terms, it's how you get your website found on Google or Bing or any of the other search engines. It's how you get your website found. And you do this by focusing your content around a targeted keyword. Okay. So what that means is when you go to search Google, you are searching for something specific. 
Okay. So maybe you want to start, um, start a hobby of watercolor painting. Um, you could search for the best watercolor painting books for beginners. Okay. So that is a keyword. You're looking for something specific, watercolor painting books for beginners. And that's how you would structure your blog post around that. Um, private clarinet lessons in Nashville, Tennessee. That is a keyword. And you would structure your content around that keyword. And you would get that keyword into your article. But you don't want just that keyword. You want related keywords. So you know how when you do a Google search and you've searched for something and then you see that section at the bottom, what other people are searching for? Those are related keywords and you want to include those in your content as well because that tells Google what you're looking for. Now, the way Google knows is they, first of all, use bots. These bots crawl the web, the web and they read content. And then they look at it and say, okay, this content answers this question that our people are asking. So we're going to move it up higher because we think it is helpful. But it doesn't stop with just the bots. Google actually hires individual people called quality raters that go then go on and look at those results. And they look for something called EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. And with the rise in artificial intelligence writers or AI writers like ChatGPT, they've added a fourth letter, a second E for experience, because they want to know that you know what you're talking about. Because with these AI writers, I could write an article right now on how to build a rocket ship. I know nothing about that whatsoever, and I'm not 100% for sure that the AI is giving me accurate instructions, but they're usually pretty close. So Google wants to know, you know, Am I, do I know anything about rocket science? So um, that's the trick. And that's where creatives really have the advantage because we specialize in what we do. So if you're a singer, you can post video of yourself. You can, you know, add links to performances you've done or schools you've taught at. And that increases that experience. And that's going to help push you above other people. Hmm. How does ChatGPT work? Okay, so now I've only used ChatGPT once, but I have used another AI writer called Jasper for over a year now. But they all work on the same premises. It's um, OpenAI. It's an artificial intelligence platform. And basically, they crawl hundreds of web pages getting information. And you can ask it a question and it will respond with an answer. You can tell it to do something and it will respond. And based on how you respond, it will learn and continue to improve. I actually saw an example in a Facebook group on um, the proper measurements for an oboe read. And they they had asked. And then ChatGPT shot out these measurements. And they were fairly accurate. And that's why I'm saying that extra E for experience is so important because, you know, my mom, who's never touched an oboe, could use that to write an article on oboe reads. And it may or may not be accurate. Now, AI can be used really well, and I do it, 
but you can't let the AI do all the writing for you. Um, the way I do it is I have it write in very short segments, and then I tweak that writing as I go. And I restructure sentences to lead in another direction. And basically, I'm doing the writing. It's just helping me speed that process up a little bit to get more content out quickly. How does it work with ensuring that we aren't plagiarizing? Well, you need to check that if you're going to be doing it. Now, I have only found one instance of plagiarism in the entire year that I've used AI. And honestly, I just use Grammarly. I have a pro subscription. I, I create the article and I put it in there and I do a plagiarism check. And in my entire year of using this program, now I am using one specific program. I don't know about the other ones. I have had one sentence that was plagiarized. So then I go in and I re-look at that sentence and I rewrite that sentence. It feels to me like Jasper could be that Alexa's girl, a boyfriend. <laughs> yes, yes, I think so. Take it over. <laughs> <laughs> what algorithms are we contending with on the likes of Google and how do we keep on top of it if it changes? Okay, it's not if, it's when. Okay. And that's the thing about SEO. You have to stay on top of it because Google is always changing. They put out a new update at least every quarter. So every three months, something is changing. The, the new E added to E literally just came out last month. Mm. So they're constantly changing and updating things. Now you can do this several ways. One, you can read all of the SEO journals online. But we don't have time for that. Okay, well, I, I have time for that. I make time for that. But we don't all have time for that because we're out there teaching. Um, I follow John Mueller's tweets. I live for them because they're telling me what's happening. Another way is you can, shameless plug here, you can join my SEO membership where I, I keep you on top of what's happening. Um, and it, it does help. But you have to stay on top of what's going on if you want to continue to rank. Um, and I will use myself as an example. And I I tend to stay on top of things. And I, I keep a KPI sheet. Okay, that stands for key performance indicators, if you don't know what that is. And if I know you work with music teachers, if you're running a business, you want to keep a KPI sheet because it tells you what's working and what's not. And I noticed in my KPI that my Amazon sales had dropped. And I was like, this is unusual. This doesn't typically happen. And I went and investigated. And in one of the Google updates, a bunch of my blog posts had been de-indexed, which means Google wasn't looking at them at all. So I had to go in and get them re-indexed. And then my Amazon sales went right back up. So that's why it's so important to stay on top of these things. Mm. You mentioned there about the the last podcast host that you you chatted with was talking about that they could see the SEO option on their Squarespace, but they hadn't done anything about it. How does that work in our actual websites? If we're using something like Squarespace, how do we do the SEO work within the kind of back bit of the website? You can see how totally on top of my website I am through the, the questions I'm asking. <laughs> but you know what? You are asking the exact same questions that I hear every single day. So you are not alone in this. The way it works, whether you're using Squarespace or Wix or Weebly, or I, I self-host and I use WordPress as my platform for writing, um, and I'm hosted through a private host. Um, 
But the way it works is whatever you're using plugin wise, it will give you suggestions. So the plugin that I use is Yoast and it will it will give me suggestions to improve my on-page SEO. And those suggestions are helpful, but you can't you can't follow them exactly because they're they don't stay up to date. They use an algorithm. And once Google updates something, they have to go in and update their algorithm. By the time they update their algorithm, it's already outdated because Google has released the next update. So I do use them and they help me with things like how many, what the percentage my keyword is used so I don't have to go in and count and do math. They do all that for me. Um, They will sometimes remind me, oh, I forgot to update my meta description. Let me hop in there and do that. So it's good for that. But you need to understand basic on-page SEO. And it's funny because Yoast has like a red light, yellow light, green light system. And I have maybe two blog posts that have green lights from Yoast. And most of them have yellow lights and they're all ranking. So you can't take that. If you follow their directions completely, it can actually hurt you down the road. If there was one thing that you would advise me, the listeners, to do today to optimize our SEO, what would be the thing that you would say to go and look at immediately? I would say the one thing to look at immediately is keywords. What keyword are you trying to rank for? And the answer is you may not know because you weren't thinking about a keyword when you were writing that piece of content. So go and look at your content. What is it about? Then target around that area, one keyword, and and focus on that. But the other thing I would do is Google that keyword first, because if the top five positions for that keyword are things like Amazon, Apple Music, uh, uh, HuffPost, et cetera, you're not going to rank for it. You want some smaller sites, and that's how you do it. And is it still the case that we need to stay away from kind of more imaginative titles, things that maybe are suggestive rather than to the point? Or is there a place for the kind of artistic flair of a writer to have a title that is a little bit you know, different? There is. Um, You want to make sure your keyword is included in your title, but you also want to make sure that title is clickable. Let me use an example. You want the title to be a little juicy. So if you were going to write an article on how to improve your SEO, okay, so I'll use me for example, Um, how to improve your SEO. Well, there's a billion articles out there. How to improve your SEO in five quick minutes that's going to be more clickable. So you want to make it juicy. You can get creative with it. Absolutely. But you still want to make sure that the title tells exactly what your article is about. Mm -hmm. You mentioned your course just a few minutes ago. So what products do you have currently and what's included within them? Because our listeners might be interested and also their clients who are musicians themselves. Yes. Okay. So I have, um, four products right now. Um, the first one was my my very first product that I put out and it, it's really good. It's zero to wait list and it's how to build your music studio to wait list status, 
without having to work 24-7, okay? Um, then I have Passive Income Academy, and that walks you through how to build out passive income streams without having to constantly promote them. Because if you're having to constantly promote these products, they're not passive. Uh, my SEO membership is a membership designed specifically for creatives. That's why I called it Creative SEO. So we're talking musicians, writers, photographers, artists, anybody in the creative fields. And it's how to help get your website found on Google. And then finally, I offer one-on-one coaching as well if you want to work on growing your business individually. Mm, Amazing. What other resources would you encourage us to check out alongside your products? Oh, goodness. There are tons of great resources out there, depending on what you're looking for. Um, If you're looking to learn a little more about SEO, there's a, a great blog called Search Engine Journal and Search Engine Roundtable. Both of those can get a little technical, but they have really good content and stay on top of what's happening in Google. Amazing. Um, Where can people find out about what you've just told us about your four courses? Okay. Well, the, on my website, tanyalawson.com slash courses. And that's T-O-N-Y-A lawson.com slash courses. Brilliant. Well, Dr. Tonya Lawson, thank you so much for your time. I've learned so much. I'll be re-listening to this over and over again and uh, trying to bump up (laughs) everything that I possibly can. (laughs) Thank you so much. You are most welcome. Thank you for having me. If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click Write a Review.